You're listening to The Lost Art of Liner Notes, a podcast by Rumbleyard. You can find more episodes of this show by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Recently, we invited Shane McAnally of Monument Records and country musician Walker Hayes into our studio to talk about making Walker's new hit song, 90s Country. Strawberry wine on your lips got me amazed How about you let this cowboy take you away Give me that wink, I'ma give it right back You know you like it, you love it, you want some more of that Guys, this is Shane McAnally And I'm writer, here producer, with Walker Hayes Hey, He's a dancer Good to be here, I am I did see you doing Many some years. dancing in the cab just now I was And it was Kiki, do you love me? Really good I, I love that song Yes do you remember how we first met? We met when I had a deal on Capitol, mm-hmm. and uh, I think Autumn House set us up to write. We wrote. You, you're, you were, man, you were taking off, which is why right. I was set up with like, oh, here's So in here's Nashville, the next that's flavor. sort of the way they'll do it is like if a writer starts to is have hot. hits, then they, they set all their new artists up with them. And I, mean, I mean, I guess that's everywhere, but in Nashville, it's especially right. like you always know when you're running through that yeah. sort of the all the folks that are making records, which is awesome. Right. It just a lot of times doesn't give you the chance to stop and dig in the way we got to later. It keeps things the same. Right. We we did have a good time, but um, you know, my career didn't like really. Well you were flourish. in a place at that point if that which is the scariest place for a label to put an artist is where they say, We're just looking for a single. Right. And that puts you on in this desperate sort of situation oh, where yeah. halfway through a song, you're thinking, well, this probably isn't it. Right. So then you can't really enjoy the process because your thought is, I have a record ready. Right. I just got to write the song to get the record out. Right. And so that I, I really don't like that part of the artist development process where everybody makes a record and then decides when they need a single. I, I really do try to, and we did this with your record yeah. at Monument, have a song that feels like, okay, now we have the single. Right. Now we get to go play and make a record yeah. and have fun. And that's how You Broke Up With Me sort of happened. Yeah. You were sending me songs, and we were already yeah, in so I was wor- Really, man, the first time we connected is when I was I had begun working at Costco, and you and I met in a Smoothie King. Right. And, uh, re-met, yes. Remet, yes. And it had been many, many years. My career capital was over. I'd been dropped by them, and I was still struggling as a writer. And um, I wanted to write. You, you had just started Smack. Okay. Uh, and Robin, you referred me to Robin and said, send her some stuff. But I saw you in a Smoothie King, and I had done a demo on your song Fuzzy just to say, hey, Look what I can do by myself. I mm-hmm. need no demo budget. I can take a song and, and make a tape like this, and you guys can run with it. Had you already sent it to me, or were you telling me no, about it? No, really man, I, I don't know if you know this, but that morning I had just finished it, and I was headed into work, and I had just bounced it via email to myself. And I, and you saw shit me. you not, walked into Smoothie King, and you were in line. That's not an accident. And I, I was mean, like, you know, and, and you, can, you can appreciate this because you know me. I am not walk up to so and so and say, which ironically, hey, how's it going? It's funny because your name is Walker. Yes, <laughs> right. But I did, and I was—I remember being kind of embarrassed. But it was again. I was like, man, this can't be just coincidence. Right. So you were very kind. You know, at that time, 
no one around your level wanted to pay attention to me because I had kind of everybody had been there done that right you know, they, there's a stigma they, that comes along when you've lost a record oh deal when you've lost a publishing deal it's worse than being new to town it's scarlet letter it like is, you're shunned yeah. uh, and and no one wanted to you know write with me etc but you began to listen to my stuff at that time and I think it was nine months later that you called me when you were getting on your plane, and uh, I had sent you. <laughs> I'm a, not plane. You're not your. You don't. You didn't. Ha, you didn't have a jet That's yet. Like, wait, what? Um, but he, Shane, Shane, you were getting on a plane. I remember it was a Saturday, and I had sent you a song called "Ruin the Radio." Yes. And in the meantime, I by the way, that. you had always listened and responded. And you know, I don't know if you know what that meant to me, but like at that time, you were the only human inside the biz that would pay attention to anything. Well, your songs were, you had to listen because the titles were, you were so smart. And I don't know how much of that was intentional, but every time you would send a song, the title would be something that I could not open. You know, I had to listen to Coffee with June. Yeah. There was no way I was going to let a song called Coffee with June go by without seeing at least what you did what with it. What it's about. And yeah. that happened over and over. Death Row, it happened like, you know, right. you'd send these songs. So go on. But yeah, so you call, Shane calls me. You call me and uh, you were like, I don't know what this looks like, but this song, Ruin the Radio, it attaches you to what is happening in country music mm-hmm. now. Which, you know, I think you saw an opportunity. Like, Absolutely. I think you were a fan. Right. And I felt that via email. I was like, I, I knew that you you had told me, man, I love listening to your songs because I try to predict what they're about, right. and I'm always wrong. Right. And I thought, man, that was a huge compliment coming from somebody that I wanted to write. I wanted to write with your company, honestly, because at every publishing company, I felt like I had been their focus, and I wanted to go learn mm. and be that the worst sense. writer at a publishing company, you know, and learn what is it that takes this, what I'm doing, to the next and makes level? It, and yeah. you heard Ruin the Radio, and you said, we can take it like this I remember is. that feeling of hearing that song. It's so funny to me that we started with a song that didn't even end up right. on your record. Right. I mean, that's how much you wrote and worked to outdo. Oh, you yeah. know, you Just every day you raise the bar, you raise the bar, you raise the bar, to the point that the song that I thought would sort of start it all. Yeah is a song that we haven't even recorded. Well, and that goes back to what you were saying earlier. So what happened was you got me on the team, and you said, well, hey, we're making a record. And, I, well, A of all, I got to quit working at Costco, yeah. but I got to go to the shack every day, and I had zero rules. I was not going in saying, you, you remember writing with me, Beer in the Fridge and right. Beckett. Right. We were never saying hey, let's write a banger for Country Radio. Right. You know what you need? A hit. We never said that. No. For for like a year and a half, I just went in and I was like, man, let's talk about alcoholism. Let's mm-hmm. write the truth about this beer in the fridge. There's a beer in the fridge, last of 12. Sole survivor of my last all-nighter in the back of the bottom shelf. It's going to be there in the morning. Even though you won't You're the reason I quit drinking The reason I want to get drunk Or let's write about my son Beckett Hey, you know, his dash mm-hmm. like this you My know? son, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and all I did was write the truth And I think that's why we're here today Is because for one minute 
which is different. Nani's country is different. We right. said we need a hit, right? And you and I went and wrote a hit, <laughs> and, but that was way. But you, no offense. But you've to established that yourself as a truth teller, yes. and that and that way people know what they can expect, right. and that it's okay for you to throw something out that is like candy, right? You know that's okay when, yeah. when you have proven and shown what you can do around it. So, do you remember when you sent me you broke up with me, and what changed? It seems like that one. Really had, stuck out. You know, You Broke Up With Me was on the first eight tracks, and um, we knew early on. I have, have no idea life. why we knew this, mm-hmm. but we were like, that's number one. I, I don't yeah. know why. Whoa, simmer on down a notch. Ain't nobody making you watch. Me get my boat, get you on. No, girl, can't touch my good as gold. I know it's difficult. You're listening to Walker Hayes on the Lost Art of Liner Notes. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out Walker's new song, 90s Country, on iTunes or Spotify. From the title to the topic, you know, it had something you wanted to listen to. The track, eight seconds in, you're already intrigued. Right. It doesn't sound like anything else. Right. It was just a matter of how to go from the eight-track version. Right to a studio version. Right. Because you had built this incredible track that was very Walker Hayes in the shack. People talking on it. Let's talk about the shack. Yeah. Because I never, when I really started working with you, I didn't know you separate from that. I mean, after, when it really, we dug in, I mean, I had met you prior to. Yeah. But when we dug in and started working on the record, you, like, I went over there and you're like, right. this is where yeah. I work. And now you have actually a super shiny office in smack that you never use because you're out in that shack yeah Yeah. so tell everybody about the shack. well the shack you know it's just a i do a co-venture with smack and rare spark this is industry talk but i'm published by both of them and we uh they have a building behind their office and it's on music row it's in an alley and it's a tool shed it was a tool shed that we the day they bought that building i went in and helped and it was wall-to-wall garden tools junk trash couch and that's about it so we cleaned it out they cleaned the carpet and they put in a wall unit and it's literally a wall unit like air conditioner wall unit, yeah. yeah so i have to turn it off to do any anything on a mic right. I, it, I sweat it's so hot buckets yeah um it's not a real like you feel dirty in there it's you know it's not clean no windows yeah no windows at all so like you look you know you go in it it's a tiny it's like it's a tool shed that's that's what it is it's a tool shed and and and, um i feel at peace there you know i going back to doing your demo on your song fuzzy i hate to sound like oh poor me but i didn't have money to do demos Mm -hmm. and so i began not learning how to play instruments and stuff but learning how to fake it enough to where I could build playable versions that were suitable for publishers to take around town. And not everybody loved them, but they did have a style. And the longer I spent time in that shack, the better I got at saying, okay, in my brain, I hear this song feeling like this. And I would beatbox, and there's a glass table where my computer, keyboard, and keyboards, actually piano sits, little uh, Lisa's keyboard from the 90s, 
And uh, I like slap on the table. I snap. I pan it both ways. I stack it. I slam the door sometimes. I get out of the chair, beat on it because it sounds like a, a sweet kick drum. Like I'll tap on this little wooden thing on a footstool. I mean, I'll do anything just to I'm beat first. Like I established the feel of the song first in the shack. And then I began to just kind of layer sounds like, and you broke up with me. I literally, while we started, you broke up with me. When you when you play that song, you can hear the co-writers talking while I played the dun 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 dun. I played that, looped it, did the. Sounds just like it does. Did that, and then I was like, "Hey, a lot of people make fun of how I whistle. I can actually like whistle really good, like pretty strong, but I didn't want that. I wanted." Right, you know, and so I did it twice, put it on both sides of your head, and that was it, man. Like I knew, I was like, "That's the vibe." I got some coke, you know, and it just—it was like, boom, that's how the song's gonna feel. So then it took us, you know, forever to write the rest of the words, but that's how I create music in the shack now. Yeah, and just what in your what you would call limitations in the studio because of the stuff you use, yeah, and the way you bang around on things. It actually has created such a well. It's true, you know. It's you've 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 created such a sound in that shack, right? That to take that song and the others, right, and then go into like a lush, expensive studio and not lose the magic, right? That was Walker Hayes. That was where it got really tricky. I think, right? You know, yes, yeah. And so you broke up with me, you know, as we when we released the first eight track. It was actually a song that was not heavily featured, you know, on playlists yeah. and stuff like that, but the streams were heavy. I mm-hmm. mean, like without promoting it a lot. So we could tell, you know, we have a, a lot of analytics at our leisure now. We, right. we can we can see what people, you know, are responding to. So we noticed that one. And then we had songs like Face on My Money that took you know, kind of leaned pop, and we were like, oh, this is really neat, you know, but this was, that's what was so fun about that time is there were no rules, like each and every day, like when we wrote Beckett, it was like, what is this, where does this live? Um, It sounds like it's from a musical. Yeah, it does, and um, so yeah, you broke up, and then you took, you broke up with me, I remember the day we took that to the studio, Okay. and I don't know if you recall this, but the better the band got, the worst. Yes, I do remember that. I remember got. it felt like you're learning it too well. Yes, you know it too good. And we went back, and we—I just remember listen, hearing the first stuff they sprinkled on, and, and it that was just worked. sounded like a bop to me. You know what I mean? Like right. you and I and Rob felt very strongly about this song. We had yet to take it to the label or play it for other people or play it for the gatekeepers and say, "Hey, this is what." We're going to launch. And we were already in process at that point of Monument. Right. Okay, so Monument Records is a is an old, sort of a legendary singer-songwriter imprint from Roy Orbison, Dolly Parton. We're both, Christopherson. Yeah, Christopherson. And so Jason Owen and I were given the opportunity to revamp Monument. And so Walker was our flagship artist. And taking something like your eight tracks and building from the ground up and then having the opportunity for you to kick off Monument. I mean, when you look at it now, it just all seems so planned because you're the perfect kind of person to start a label because, honestly, you don't fit. 
that was what we, we said we wanted to do with Monument. Right. Where people say things don't fit, that's, they fit here. So we went into the studio with You Broke Up With Me. We ended up just using some of the original things. And, and who was on that? Like Fred Eldringham was playing drums. You, Dave on uh, the keys. Yep, Dave Cohen. Uh, what was uh was guitar? It Derek Chris? Wells? Yeah, maybe. Derek yeah, Wells. on that first session, yeah. But it was a rant. We didn't even... And we Chris didn't Donegan was there. Ma- yes, yeah. that's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Chris Donegan. So um, uh, when we made Boom, the debut record on, on Monument for Walker, w- w- at the end of our last tracking session, or around in the tracking session, we actually tracked 90s Country yeah. for that record. Uh, the song wasn't really done. We had a verse chorus. But we knew Maybe, it was really magical. And we just knew it felt great. Yeah, and the track actually even made us want to go run and finish it. Right. Because I remember when the band played it, we were like, oh, uh, this yeah. is good. So, but because everything else started happening so fast, we never did do that. And right. I'm so glad now because it really gave us time to work on it, you especially. Yeah. I mean, writing songs with Walker is, is so unusual because, especially in this kind of thing, you don't just sit down and write a song. It usually there's a piece of it or a lot of it that he already knows what he wants to do with it. He really just needs editing and somebody to sort of be along for the ride. But 90s Country, that was a six-month process. Oh, my gosh. I, I was telling somebody today, an artist like me, you know, I have, to, I have kids to feed and a wife to take care of. I need radio success, you know. And I knew this next single cycle was very important. And we had you know, options on Boom. But, you know, my fans had already exhausted Boom. I mean, they, they knew it when I play out live. Everybody already sings Beautiful and Shut Up Kenny. And like a lot of those songs had lived on eight tracks prior to. Right. So a lot of them have had... A long life. A long life, yeah. And so we knew, you know, it was very tedious going in and writing 90s country knowing this is it. You know, you have a tendency to overthink. I think every overthought was important now yeah it was like we went down a lot of roads i think you would agree it was the least fun song to write that i've written in a long time i think it's because ultimately that song and i know that there's a you know a co-writer in gabby mooney that you started the song with but what you and i were doing in the texting in the voice memos in the calling constant back and forth what happens is and it not being quote fun is because we both had a standard of where the song needed to be. Yeah. And it so much of what we both came up with wasn't good enough. Right. And when we would say it to the other one, the other one was sort of the wall to bounce it off of. Yeah. Because sometimes you can't tell if something's good or bad until you right. say it to somebody else. Yeah. And I feel like that is what became sort of exhaustive because we had gone through every 90s country know. song known to man. And you, and you wanted, did you ever feel like I always felt like I wanted to love... Yeah, like oh, I was like, I dude, I just come want by, to like When I would this. see a text from you come yeah. in, I literally, my thought was, please, God, let me love this. Yes. Because what is great about our relationship, and that now the difference in going in and just writing a song years ago, and then next on the assembly line, what's different now is that we have gotten to dig in and oh, really, yeah. and really, again, know the standard of what will work on a Walker Hayes record. Yeah. And so... Neither of us is going to say something's right that right. isn't. And so, yeah, after the time spent, it's like working out. It's like yeah. you just want to be done. Right. And I think that the finished product is so worth the time. Oh, my in. gosh. It's, and seeing the initial response and, and what's happening right now with 
everybody that's hearing it. It's so nostalgic. Whenever. Do you love me if you do? Check yes, please. Girl, you know you think my tractor's sexy. Got me spinning like a jukebox junkie. Making me feel like 90s country. What I'm really proud of is the way, and this was your, you know, you had the foresight to see that we needed to arrange the songs in a way that even if you don't know these songs, it would still sound like a viable story. Right. It wasn't just a list of titles. And I think that was one of the hardest things to accomplish. Well, it was tricky. I mean, I want, I want the world to know that so bad, yeah. that that was the trickiest and what's what's odd too is that song to me, and I can't wait to get back to a notepad and a pen and write feelings again. Yeah, because it was a feel. It was a nostalgia. Like I wanted that song to feel like something, but you can't articulate it. You have to use the puzzle pieces that and are available to you. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's true. And it was like, oh, this is a cool song, and I really love it, but it doesn't feel. You know, like, remember when we went down the ice cream, the bridge about, you know, instead of uh, you make me smile like I did when we were radio kids, I was trying to shove it down your throat. The, uh, (laughs) you know, you make me feel like when we're driving ice cream, seeing how far we could drive before it melt, you know, and only super, super diehard. We know 90s country way more than most. And that's, that was such a deep reference. Right. Of Diamond Rio, is that right? Like puzzle it puzzle fit, but it did not give you that nostalgic. Right. It, well, because you have you to think about anything. it so much that you get, if you have to think too hard, you forget to feel. Right. It, you know, because by the time the line goes by and you're it's still trying line. to figure it out. Yeah. You know? So it's like relationship, dude. It, it you is like that. Think too hard. You it is like to that. feel. <laughs> Write it down. This is what we do. But anyway, then <laughs> that that song, it was such a. Um, it was such an adventure. Like, and even the production if, part of it. I mean, let's oh talk about gosh. David coming in and yeah. how, you know, David Garcia, who's brilliant, and what he brought to having... We had been so close to it for so long. Yeah. It really did feel like we were looking at it within five inches of our face. Right. <laughs> and it's like, I don't even know anymore. Yeah. And it was such a relief, honestly, yes. to give it to someone. Yes. And say, just go, like, what do you hear? And, and go, he yes. was so... Delicate with it, yeah, because he is a songwriter himself, right? So he had he knows that you have to handle it with care, right? And that it's a lyric based song. His instinct on it was everything I could have ever imagined, yeah. And having those fresh ears, and you know, just little things like even him breaking up the chorus. Okay, so the, the chorus into a post is such a trend. That has been happening in pop music first, and then in Nashville. I feel like you invented it. I do, well, I'd love to I take mean, credit, but I know that I, I definitely liked the idea of like dropping a hook, but then con- yeah. like continuing. But I've done it so many times, and Good we've all done it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So David had the thought to break the hook up with a musical hook, and then drop the post. Now that. Blew my mind. New. I think it is new, and I think you're going to hear a lot of people doing that because right. it really gives you a moment. What what has happened in the last few years is you don't want people to have a moment. Right. It's like they hear the hook and then they're just berated with more. Right. So that they are constantly no entertained. Even. Exactly. I've noticed that. So he put a real musical hook in there. I mean, in between right. the end of the chorus and the post, even though it's new, it makes me think of like 
Southern Nights, the Glen Campbell song that was built around the musical hook. Without that, what would that song have been? Yeah. And I think that is what that musical hook in this yeah. country sort of lends itself to. I love, too, that it's not in the intro. I know. Which I, which didn't, is, I, I, th- I always thought whatever yes. that lick was would start the song, which is normal. Right. Usually you come out of the gate, like, boom, hey, you're going to hear this again. Right. And um, that doesn't. You know, but I just loved, I love what we, you know, what we finished with. That was a, it was a new type of song. I had never written anything like that. Everything I've always written has just been, blah, just pouring Such out. Such truth and story and details yeah. of what's happened. Right. Like, and this is more, a more general story. And, uh, you know, I have to also acknowledge just the way the track was made. And again, in that you built, you had an initial Sort of track. I just had that acoustic and that boom. Yeah. I had that. And then, so David ran with it. And then Ilya came in. Yeah. And put on so much acoustic oh, magic. Yeah. We had a band also come in. Yeah. That was amazing. That yeah. day was magical. That was great. Um, but I, I think Ilya Tashinsky really, he just dug in. He and came in there. and he said, let's put 90s country sounds and just like, with a Russian with the, accent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He was like, there is nothing 90s country on this track. Would you like me to try? This Russian and, uh, is telling yeah. us about 90s country. And so, and nobody knows it more. He, he literally, he like out-of-tuned his guitar yeah. to make it sound, you know, like sound kind of dated yeah. a little bit. But what's fun to me about the track is, yes, it alludes, I mean, a little bit alludes to some 90s sounds, but we didn't just, a lot of people would have been like, let's just, you know, yeah. go, let's go Make back. it sound like yeah, that. Yeah, let's go 20 years ago because right. it's called 90s Country. But I've received a lot of feedback already about people saying, I love how y'all mentioned 90s Country, but you stayed in the, you broke up with me vein. Yeah, like you still sound like you, that guy. Yeah. Uh, like that guy. So, and it's believable. Anyway. I mean, everybody knows when they hear it that you knew those songs. The, de- the, the details that you use as opposed to just all the titles is what tells everybody right. that it's a it's legitimate fan singing that song. Oh, I grew up know, with those so. songs for real. Yeah. I didn't know who Kim Mellons was. No offense, Kim Mellons. But uh, sure he'll you this. knew who he was. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it's an amazing I start to the song and an amazing next chapter to yeah. the Walker Hayes story. I'm so excited about this. And I... The reaction from people who have a nostalgia and have that love '90s country—they all feel like you did it proud. Right. And that is yeah. a really important. That's, piece. And that's that's definitely a fear. I mean, when yeah. you try to tackle a song like that, you're like, "Hey, this is really precious to a lot of people. Don't don't mess it up." Yeah. You know. So I don't I don't think we did. I'm I'm proud of it, Shane. Me too. Thank you for doing this, man. I think it's interesting for me to even rehear sort of the road we've been on in making this music. Yeah. And so uh, I'm sure everyone's riveted. You know, Shane, I can't, I can't, I mean, I thank you for this interview. That, this is awesome. But um, I could say, I need to say thank you to you every day. I mean, this, uh, you know, I get to do this to take care of my kids, you know, and um, I would not if it hadn't been for you. And so... Here's what I say about that, just so you'll know. This was going to happen for you. No. uh, uh, Listen, you designed it. (laughs) You designed it. I'm so glad you designed it where it was me that got to to walk with you through it. Thank God for Smoothie King. Yep. Thanks, Shane. That was great.
Huge thanks to Walker Hayes and Shane McAnally for being our guests. You can visit walkerhayes.com to find out more about his new song, 90s Country, available now. This episode was produced by Lee Stimmel, Mark Grandy, Nicole Heyman, and me, Matthew Billy. Special thanks to Simon Marcus of Pippa and Monument Records. The Lost Art of Liner Notes is a Rumble Yard production. You can find more episodes by subscribing on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Rumble Yard is a division of Sony Music Entertainment. For more information, please visit rumbleyard.com. Thanks for listening. Don't be mad, babe. It's embarrassing.